I want to invite Dennis up here. And uh, can we give him a big hand? I didn't realize how busy he was till he already said he was going to come. Then I saw his schedule, and it's like, I don't know how you keep up with yourself. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor. Um, wow, I, this is high. I feel tall for the first time in my life. <laughs> I would have went with Jesus. I mean, then people would have thought you adopted a little Mexican. And uh, <laughs> you guys were like, we can't name him Jesus. That happens every day in the Latino community. <laughs> we got Jesus the third, Jesus Jr. <laughs> well, good morning, church. Good morning. This, uh, beautiful church, uh, beautiful drive up from the Bay Area. I. Uh, I, I was concerned when we got on the road to get over here. Uh, not, not, not 80 and 50, but the road when we got off the freeway. I was like, this is a witness protection church. Because... <laughs> I was like, wow, a beautiful, diverse group of people. I love it. Are you... Pastor was worried about the diversity, but no, you've got young white people and old white people and <laughs> tall white people and short white people. You got a lot of white people here. This is beautiful. <laughs> oh, enough little bit of minorities. This is like a Hallmark movie right now, you know. <laughs> Real friendly white folks and a few friendly minorities. That's a Hallmark set right there. <laughs> you watch the Hallmark movies, Pastor? A wife, only during the holidays, my wife loves the Hallmarks. And last year she got me to watch one. She finally was like, turn off National Geographic, watch a Hallmark. So I promised her and I tried, but I fell asleep. <laughs> Woke up, I had menopause. <laughs> God is good, amen? amen. So we'll, do, we'll do some more comedy later on. Um, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, did you hear, about, you hear his latest interview? No. Former governor, movie star, um, and a, I think it's a Yahoo podcast, said there's no heaven. Yeah, he said he was raised Catholic, he went to Catholic school, and um, there's no heaven, and it's profanity-laced, and he says, well, you live your life, because when it's over, it's over. And I said, man, someone needs to get, yeah. yes, who said that? Oh, okay, we got, we got announcers out in the audience, all right. <laughs> yes, I was going to say he needs Jesus. Thank you, sister. <laughs> yeah, because if he dies without the Lord, he's going to be like, I'm going down. <laughs> Get to the chopper. <laughs> That's my best Arnold right there. I don't do impressions. <laughs> I think heaven's going to be beautiful. I think we shortchange heaven. Uh, yes, we're going to worship the Lord, but Jesus said, I, I go to prepare There's mansions and streets of gold. It's going to be beautiful. Amen. Our bodies are going to be healed. Amen. But my sense of humor is going with me. <laughs> now, I got jokes for the people in the Bible. Because <laughs> the people that served, that's going to be a trip. The people that served the Lord and we're obedient in the Bible, they're going to be, in, they're in heaven right now. They're waiting for us. 
It's going to be amazing to meet them, but I want to meet them with some jokes. <laughs> the Bible says that laughter is good medicines. I want to, you know. I'm going to walk up to Adam. Hey, how do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> Go up to Moses, give him a map, you know. You could tell who read the Bible before. When the jokes go over their head, they're like, <laughs> go up to David. What's up, killer? <laughs> go to the great banquet. You know, ask Lot to pass the salt. <laughs> he gets mad. I'll be like, hey, don't get salty. <laughs> I want to go downtown heaven. If there's streets of gold, they got to go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> My heaven's going to have a downtown. All the businesses will have Christian themes, biblical themes, Chick-fil-A on every corner. <laughs> no Starbucks, no Target. <laughs> go to Abraham's daycare center. <laughs> Jonah's whale tours, <laughs> Samson's barbershop, <laughs> Job's employment service. <laughs> I'm not the only one who thought it said jobs, okay? <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego barbecue. <laughs> they, won't even, they won't even use spatulas, they'll just be flipping the meat. This ain't hot. <laughs> They were in the fire. That's why that's funny. Okay. If I have to explain these jokes, we're going to be here. It's going to be a candlelight vigil. We will be here. See my mom and dad and go, surprise, made it. <laughs> well, I'm not the only one that did, they were worried about. Come on. But when I see Jesus... I don't know if I'll be able to talk, but I, I'm going to do my best to say thank you because I don't know about you, but he's been so good to me. Amen. I, I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor. My grandfathers were pastors. One, one of my grandmothers was a pastor. I come from a church family. But growing up, I knew church. I speak church. But it wasn't until I went through something where I got to get to know Jesus. Amen. And it's it's. To fall in love with him and get to know him on an intimate basis, that's different than knowing church. Churches will let you down. Men will let you down. But Jesus will never fail you. Amen. He's healed our marriage. We were divorced. Yes, divorce happens in church. We were divorced. But look at God. 23 years apart and he healed us. And we're back together. And God has been good. He's... He's bringing our children home. We, we, we have the R's. The oldest two are they're our sons. And then the, the ones, they're from our second marriages. Uh, we have a total of seven. Six boys, one girl. And the Lord is bringing them home. Our youngest, Jacob, is here with us. But um, that's, that's my mini-me right there. <laughs> if I tease him about something, he goes, well, I look like you, Dad. <laughs> Our oldest son was uh, lost, PTSD from going to Afghanistan and Iraq, and uh, he was a mess. Alcoholic, booted from the military, uh, 
He was with us on and off for two years. A few years ago, he admitted to me he, he was atheist. He goes, I don't believe in God. You know, He was hurt that my dad had passed away. He said, if God couldn't heal my grandfather and he was the best man I ever knew, how can he be real? He didn't, he didn't have an understanding of the Lord. And uh, my dad was a wonderful man. He, he was a heroin addict that was saved in prison. One-on-one -on -one with Jesus in a prison cell the day he was arrested for the last time. Because he had been in and out of jail since he was 11 years old. From boys camps to prisons, escaped to prison, <laughs> he escaped Lancaster, uh, got caught. Every time he told us his stories, he always ended with him getting caught. And I was like, Dad, you weren't good at being a thug. And he was like, because <laughs> <laughs> why do you think I tell you these stories? Let you know you're going to get caught. The last time he was arrested, high on heroin, he said, if you're real, change me. And he was instantly delivered. No 12-step program, he was instantly delivered. And he went on to preach the gospel for 40 years. And he had, when, I, when, I do, when I do prison ministry, the men laugh. But when I tell them about what God did for my father, they lean in, they listen. Because we go, in, we go into the prisons and we take hope. But uh, my son had this idea. He said, if, if God is real, he'll reveal himself. And it's sitting at a, a family get-together, Memorial Day weekend, um, Christian family, yet some of them have allowed their politics to, uh, to sway their theology. It will, will be nice. Uh, they, 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 there was things being said at this little family gathering at my sister's house. Uh, if you think abortion is murder, what's the big deal? The baby goes to heaven. This is from a Christian. And uh, another one said uh, he was the, the pastor's son, my uncle, a piano player for the church worship. Said nobody killed more babies than God. Wow. Look what he did to the Egyptians. And I'm, I'm sitting there looking at them going, man, you really need to read your Bible. My son sitting there, alcoholic with the beer, looks at them and he's still mouthful of profanity because he, he's a war veteran and that's the language of military. It's not even from the heart, it's just the, vo the vernacular. But he looks at them and says, if you don't see the evil going on in the world, God's about to end this and he, and he cusses. And the family laughs. And I, I, I made an excuse. You know, that's his language. I made an excuse for my son. But my other uncle sitting next to him start ministering to him. Start saying, you don't need that beer. God has bigger things for you. And for the first time in my son's life, the spirit of God fell on my son. And he just burst into tears. And he's been delivered from... Uh, PTSD. Uh, he's, he, he doesn't want to get drunk anymore. He went back to, he was raised in Hawaii. He went back to Hawaii and he got baptized in the ocean and God has turned his life around. And it's, it, he, he's like, God revealed himself to me. He's like, I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders and all of a sudden it was gone. God is real. Within 10 minutes, he was calling his friends to say, you got to get right with God. He's coming back soon. But he, he felt the presence of God. And that's, that's what I want to share today. Um, he's more than a name, church. Amen. You know, we, we call on the name of Jesus. It's a name above every name. Uh, but it's his presence. Yes. I, I joked about, you know, my, my, my cousin's married to Jesus. <laughs> you know, we, we, we have in the Latino community, you can meet men named Jesus. 
It's not that name. It's the presence of Jesus Christ, the Messiah that comes along with us. Amen. When Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, it's not just a call to do life like him. It's a call to do life with him. You see the difference? It's not just saying, hey, do things the way I did them. He's saying, do things with me. Amen. Yahweh defined is more than his name. It speaks to God's presence. We always hear when, you know, when Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? Yes, I am. Thank you, sister. I'm an interpreter over there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but a few scriptures before that, he doesn't say just I am. He says, I am with you. Amen. I'm driving on a road. I'm the passenger in a car in a blizzard in Montana, and we're in a sedan. We're not, we're not even in a four-wheel drive. We're not in an SUV, and we hit black ice. And if you've ever been on black ice before, it's, it's one of the scariest feelings you will ever experience because you have no control. You're going where gravity and, you know, uh, it's, you're out of control. We're sliding up a two-lane highway, two lanes in each direction, a ditch in the middle, a ditch on the side. We turn 90 degrees, and we are sliding up the freeway, the highway. And I look out the window, because I'm the passenger, and there's a big rig coming right for me. My life was about to end, and I just did what I was taught, called on the name of Jesus. I said, Jesus! That car turned 90 degrees and went straight and... It was, it was the hand of God. It was the presence of the Lord. My friend let out a profanity. Claimed to be a Christian, but I questioned their faith because how, how do you, moments, you're within a few seconds of dying and all you could think of was cussing? <laughs> if I was about to meet my end of my life, I wanted to let, let him know I'm coming. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's his presence, church. We need the presence of God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. If without the presence of God, we're playing church. That's right. I go to churches, and I, I love me. I was raised Assemblies of God, Latin American Assemblies of God, which, which means I got saved every other Sunday and most Thursday nights. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got called to the altar every week. Repent! You know. I go to some churches that claim to be Pentecostal, and they are as dead as can be. And I, I've even been on the pulpit, uh, and I went, I thought you were Pentecostal, and one pastor shrugged. <laughs> I was like, wow. The devil is good at his job, but our God is greater at his job, amen? amen. We, we, I, I, read, I saw something this week, and I loved it. We... we uh, we, we try to think of the opposite of God is the devil. Well, no, that wouldn't mean he's equal. No, the devil is not the opposite of God, okay? He's a fallen angel that is doing his job right now, okay? And he's good at it. But we have to remember, we serve a living God. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, amen? My son went to the, Jew, the, to the zoo, my same son. He took our grandson to... Uh, with him to the Oakland Zoo. Oakland Zoo, over the last few years, has spent, I think it's upwards of $30 million on renovations. They have the, you have to take the gondola. I remembered the word. She always corrects me. I say, I say the ride. You, know, you have to take the gondola up to the upper level, and it's called the California Trail. They have about seven or eight wolves with a huge area for the wolves to live. They have uh, bald eagles, grizzly bears. 
uh, panthers. They, they, every, it's the whole idea was to bring the animals that used to be native to California to have condors. It's beautiful. My son went to the zoo, walked in, he took our grandson, and uh, he saw the monkeys on the first level. And then he went to the petting zoo, and all they had available were goats. He said, I lasted 15 minutes, just the worst zoo in America. He said, all I saw was monkeys and goats, and he left. I said, you didn't go take the ride up top? And he said, no, what's up there? I thought it was just a ride, like a roller coaster. I said, no. And I told him all the animals that were there. He's like, oh, I missed out. <laughs> if you're not seeking the presence of God, sometimes all you're doing is hanging out with monkeys and goats, church. <laughs> you know, we need to be able to go to that next level. You got to go. You have to go to the next level and seek the presence of the Lord. Amen. I don't want to be a foreigner when I get to heaven. I want to be comfortable in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I don't want to be one of the ones that he says, depart from me. I knew you not. There's people that play church, never get to know the presence of the Lord. And they think when their time is up, they're going to go, oh, yeah, I knew you, Jesus. And he's like, I didn't know you. That's a, that's a, scary, that's a scary reality. Because just as beautiful as heaven's going to be, hell is just as real. And if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ... Because the Bible says every knee will bow, not just Christians. Every knee in the heavens, on earth, and under the earth will bow and declare the name of Jesus. So whether you serve him or not, there will be a time where you bow before him. It's whether you receive your rewards or if you receive your sentence. That's the harsh reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He paid the price for you to spend eternity with him. Before the foundations of time, the lamb was slain. Amen. Before there was a sickness, there was a healer. Amen. Before there was sin, we had a redeemer. Amen. He, there's no excuse not to say, I acknowledge you as Lord and I want to get to know you. Amen. Amen. I'm off track on my notes right now. I just trust the Lord. Where, where, I, all week long, I prayed, Lord, go before me. Lord, I don't want to mess up the sermon, Lord. Go before me. <laughs> I see something funny in between my ADD and sense of humor. I'll, I'll mess it up. <laughs> I love worship. Even though there's times when I'm getting ready to preach, I have to look at some notes or I have something pop in my head. And uh, the Holy Spirit continues to download and I'll write something down, but I'm worshiping. We, we drove an hour and a half to get here and it was 90 minutes of worship. So we, we don't, don't wait till Sunday morning to worship. If you're waiting to worship on Sunday morning and the only time you speak tongues is Sunday morning, if it's right, you're hanging with monkeys and goats. <laughs> I love worship. Yet I know. Where my yet I know, brothers and sisters? The pastor knows the scripture, okay? In the 22nd Psalm, David says, yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living amongst the shouts of praise of your princely people. Amen. Amen. That's, that, Christians know that scripture and they quote it in the different interpretations. There's different versions of that same scripture. But we skip the first two scriptures. 
David is lamenting. He's crying out to God. It's a prophetic picture of the cross. What Jesus would say, where are you, God? How can you abandon me? In the middle of this turmoil, David stops and goes, yet I know you are God. We have to have that kind of worship Monday through Sunday, not just Sunday morning. And when you become a worshiper, you invite the presence of God into your everyday life. You're putting on the full armor when you worship. You know, it, you know, if the doctor's report comes back and says something negative, you go, yet I know you are God. Amen. Amen. When the funds don't add up and you're worried, can I pay? Do we, do we eat this week or do we pay the electric bill? Yet I know you are Jehovah Jireh. Amen. Amen. Enemies throwing your past in your face. Yet I know I've been redeemed. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Anxiety and depression trying to, uh, trying to paralyze you. Yet I know. Yeah. Become a worshiper. When you invite the, the, the interpretations that use in throne, it's drawing a picture of like a king sitting on his throne or a special guest sitting at the head of the table. So in the middle of your situation, when you worship, you invite God into the turmoil. Yeah. Where God is, the enemy flees. Where the presence of the Lord is, the enemy has no choice but to flee. Amen? My wife and I, we, we didn't hold hands today during worship. Usually we try to hold hands at least for one song. We fell before. We're not going to fall again because we have the presence of the Lord in our marriage. Are we perfect? No. But we've matured enough with the presence of the Lord. When we get upset, within moments, we're apologizing to each other. We invite God to be the center of our marriage. So worship, church. Amen. We are God's tabernacle. Tabernacle, that's where the, the Ark of the Covenant was placed when the, when the children of God were in the wilderness. It was a mobile presence of God. They, they, they would move and they'd set up the tent again and they would put the Ark of the Covenant in there. But Jesus changes that. Our relationship with Jesus allows the presence of the Lord to be in these mobile units that carry the presence of the Lord. Amen. That's a mind-blowing concept. It, 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 should, it should be the catalyst to get you to serve the Lord the way he wants us to serve him. Amen? Not just plain church, but carrying his presence. You got turmoil at work? I haven't had a regular job in 20 years. I, got, I retired from the Air Force, well, 18 years. But I, I was, you know, I didn't always just go out and preach and tell jokes. I, I know what it's like to be in an office full of turmoil. Anybody, anybody got, got a witness here? Take the presence of God to work. You are Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah, we know Shalom means peace. Jehovah Shalom is the one that breaks the chains that binds to chaos. He doesn't just bring a little bit of peace. He ends the chaos. Why are you fighting a fight that he already won? You take him. He is Jehovah Nisi. You take your, his banner with you and, you. and you bring peace. You're the game changer at your job. Amen? The Hebrew word for tabernacle is mishkan, which translates to dwelling place. We are God's dwelling place. Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's from the Passion Translation. Have you, have you gotten into the Passion Translation? I love the Passion Translation. A clown like me can understand. And that. <laughs> I went to Bible school for five years, and I'm two years away from my associates. I don't know. I got stuck on Genesis every year. <laughs> every year, it was right back in the beginning. <laughs> the Hebrew word for sanctuary is Mikdash. It's the same as holy. Wow. So we are a holy tabernacle. Amen. But you can't do that on your own. That's religion. True, true Islam and true uh, what, 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 Buddhist yeah. Buddhism. They have great things with that. With, uh, if you look at their, their, their religions, they have great goals for their people to attain and become a better person, to get closer to God. Yet it's all religion. It's based on what they can do. It's not relational. Religion is transactional. Jesus is transformational. See, it's, that, there's a difference in that. My cousin, he's, he's a doctor of theology. He told me that one day. He said, I got to quote you five more times. And then after that, I'm going to say, the Lord told me. <laughs> God had one transaction, and it was with the most expensive commodity, the most valuable commodity in the history of the world. In the history of time, the most valuable commodity ever was the blood of Jesus. Amen. And he paid that one time and the game was over. No more transactions. Now it's transformational. And it's only the blood of Jesus that changes lives. Amen. Jesus replaces the tabernacle as the dwelling place of God. Yahweh's personal presence is made known in the person of Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. Amen. We sing songs about this. We don't talk about Emmanuel till Christmas. But it, he is Emmanuel. He is with us. Amen. You are not alone. We've seen loneliness creep into the church through the pandemic. Man was not designed to be alone. Okay. You, we, we, are, we are people people. <laughs> you can quote me on that. We are people people. We are designed to, to be family. We are designed to... To be together. The devil did a real, guy, real, real good job trying to shut the churches down. Anxiety and depression are at an all-time high. Over the last 18 months, 36 people have come forward during services dealing with, su uh, dealing with super, uh, suicide. The devil is good at his job. But our God is greater. Jesus has broken the chains off every one of those people that were dealing with suicide. He set the people free that were dealing with anxiety and depression. And I, I, didn't, I didn't go out thinking I'm going to help people dealing with these things. But I'm, I was wrapping up a service in Patterson, California, a little church. And as we're wrapping it up, I called the pastor forward. But Holy Spirit said, I'm not done. And I, I, just, I was just obedient. And it just started flowing. And I said, in the name of Jesus, somebody in here is dealing with suicide. Stand up. Young lady, 16 years old, stands up. Tears flowing. 
came forward, prayed over her. The Holy Spirit broke that off of her. And since then, from 14 to 70, the age range, mostly women, young women. Young ladies, get off of social media. All right, I, I'm on social media because it's my job. I got to let people know where I'm going to be. And I, it's a great way when you get older to connect with high school friends and people you haven't seen in 30, 40 years. But if you're a teenager, get off of social media. Kardashians have people thinking this is what women's supposed to look like. Let me tell you something, young ladies. The Kardashians don't look like the Kardashians. <laughs> they were so unhappy with how they looked, they spent millions of dollars to look the way they look. I believe Jesus is going to have, uh, he has a caller ID, and he's going to have, uh, he's going to look at you at the gates and go, I don't know you. <laughs> That's, that's a different point right there. But, you know, it's be real with God, okay? Yeah. Stop putting on airs when you talk to God. That's right. He created you. He knows the language that you have. Talk to him reverently. But keep it real with him. His shoulders were big enough to take the sins of the world. He could take your little complaints, okay? He understands when you go through things. You could go to him. I remember the night my father passed. My father was a wonderful man. Everybody, if you knew my father, you loved him. He was one of those guys. If I grew up to be half the man my dad was, I would be two foot nine. He was very short. <laughs> <laughs> but the night he passed away, even the nurses cried. And left my mom's house. It's been 20 years. And driving, driving, if you know the Bay Area, there's the Caldecott Tunnel, uh, going from the East Bay over to Walnut Creek. Driving through there, I just questioned God. I'd been in, I had been in Korea for 16 months, came home, I had a year with my dad, not even a year, I had like 11 months with him and he passed. I said, why? Why did you allow him to suffer? Why didn't you take him years ago? Instead of, he lost, you know, diabetes, the, the legs, the kidneys, he went through it all. And... I question God. But when you keep it real with God, he can keep it real with you, okay? I said, why would you do that? He served you faithfully for 40 years. Why would you have him suffer? And it was the most audible I've ever heard the Lord speak in my, in my spirit. He said, I did it for you. If he had took him when he first got sick, I was in Korea. I wouldn't have had time to spend with my dad. But I kept it real with him. He kept it real with me. And... There was things after the fact, after he passed, he, we, we found his autobiography. I'm child number three. He knew the calling on my life. Even though I wasn't serving the Lord, he knew the calling on my life. He dedicated his autobiography. And he listed his four children, but he put my name first. And it had nothing to, my dad was sound of mind. It was nothing to do with who was his favorite. He knew the mantle was going to be passed to me. So I knew that when I had that last year with him, it was to prepare me for where, what I was going to go through. And I, I, I'm so glad that when I kept it real with God, he could be real with me. And it was a few months later. I'm off, I'm off script right now, but it was a few months later that I surrendered my life. He died December 6th, December 7th. 
And six weeks later, uh, my son was born, not, not, not Jacob, my other son was born with what's called gastroschisis. His intestines are outside of his body. And here I am living a sinful life, and I left the hospital, and I, like I said, I got saved every other week when I was a kid. I didn't want church. I needed Jesus. And I walked through the parking lot of the hospital. I said, I ask you to forgive me. And I know you're not a deal maker, but you're a promise keeper. And I want to make a promise to you. Save my son. And I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. And right there in the parking lot. Because when you're, where the PKs at? Where the preacher's kids? Did you ever find yourself before you pray, you call dad? That was my, that was, you know, my dad was my connection to heaven. He was the priest of our family. And walking through that parking lot, I grabbed my phone. I said, I got to call dad. And then it hit me. My hero was gone. But the Holy Spirit, man, his timing is, is, is perfect to the last second. Showed up right there in the parking lot. Said, time for you to be the man of your own house. And right there, I asked him to forgive me. And I made him a promise I would serve him the rest of my life. The next day, my son was, uh, his intestines were outside of the body. They were able to clip his appendix off because he was so exposed. And uh, I left Travis Air Force Base, and I went to Children's Hospital in Oakland. And my mom met the ambulance there. Nothing like a spirit-filled mom. She met the ambulance, <coughs> excuse me, she met the ambulance at the dock where they, where they came in. My cousin was a neonatal uh, nurse, and allowed my mom to be there and my mom was old school Pentecostal she had her anointing oil and right there when they willed at that incubator she said hold up (laughs) okay now take him away (coughs) the doctor said he would be in an incubator for four months he wouldn't eat for a month the doctor said four months in the incubator one month before my son could eat he handled the human intestines they shut down and the look on my face, only a mom knows their child. And my mom can see the stress. I'm still active duty. How am I going to go every day from Travis to Oakland for four months? I'm thinking like that. <clears throat> my mom looks at me and says, mijo, my son, mijo in Spanish, my son, that's what their medical book says. But our book says something different. Our book says Jesus heals. One week later, my son was eating. One month later, he was home. He's 20 years old. He played football. He wrestled. He got on my last nerve. (laughs) He doesn't even have a scar. They gave him a belly button. It's that presence of God that my mom knew. Right there at the hospital, she declared healing. My mom died 10 years ago, but old school Pentecostal, 30 hours before she passed, she sat on the edge of her hospice bed. She had cancer, and she's speaking in tongues. And when she cried, she said, I'm not crying. I know where I'm going. I'm crying for you guys. You're going to miss me. (laughs) In the face of death, she was able to worship because she knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Our identity, we're very shallow in our identity. I joke about ethnicity, but we are all one in God's eyes. There's good humor in our differences, but that's all the differences are. I I think ethnicity is for jokes and food. That's the only... (laughs) 
Food heals us. If I don't know your culture, bring me some of your food. I'll get to know you. Come to my house, you're going to have some tacos. And thank you for not doing Taco Tuesday on a Sunday. I have churches do that. We're glad you're here. We're having tacos. Well, you know I have that at home, right? It's the presence of God that we need. Amen. And it's only through the presence of God. Where's, where's the, the home? Where's the, the men's home? The, re, the recovery home? I love, I, love, I love when churches have recovery homes. Everything you've been through serves the kingdom of God. Everything you've been through. Church, everything. There is no room for narcissism in the church. Okay? You, this is not about you. It's about the kingdom. When you surrender, when you surrender to the presence of God and ask him to fill you again. Because sometimes, you know, we have people with testimonies 40 years ago. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and they haven't spoken in tongues in 40 years. The Bible says it's a a continual process. It takes a willingness to surrender. He's not a get out of jail free card. He's a relational God. Amen. Amen. There's a book I, I have. It's a study book. I highly recommend it for everybody, not just for ministers. Um, it's called God's Relational Presence. And it has a bunch of theologians. And when you're looking up a scripture and you go to it, it explains the presence of God from all these different theologians. I bought one for my pastor. And when I gave it to him, you would have thought it was Christmas. And he was a five-year-old getting a, a, you know, a Tonka truck because he was so These are the books I love. From that book, there's a quote. It says, in a theological sense, God's relational presence precedes, creates, and signifies the kingdom. No presence, no kingdom. It's the relational presence of God that we need. But it takes a willingness to surrender. You have to be willing to surrender everything. Not just what you want to give, but your all. That's one of my favorite songs. They don't sing it anymore. I surrender all. That's, that's, I, that's one of my favorite songs. To see people willing to say, I give you my good, I give you my bad, and I give you the ugly. And then watch Jesus wash it all away and give you purpose. But it's a willingness to surrender. I'm at a men's convention right here for Assemblies of God in Sacramento, uh, a men's conference. And... I'm, I'm supposed to do comedy in front of Leon Patillo doing worship. And I was like, wow. I had his albums when I was a kid, so this is really cool. He, was, he hung with Santana, my favorite musician, so I'm thinking, wow. And Dr. Huddleston calls me up and says, uh, we talked this morning and you're going to share your testimony. Leon's doing worship. When, when Dr. Huddleston called, I said, you're going to share your testimony after Leon leads worship. I wept like a baby. My dad never had the privilege of closing a, a conference night out. And I knew it was just a reward for my dad's faithfulness. It had nothing to do with me. In the middle of a horrible, horrible marriage, I, most of the time I didn't know where my wife was. She was a, a gambling addict. She's still a gambling addict. And I'm like, why would God have me? That was the night I realized everything I had been through had nothing to do with me. A thousand men at this conference in Elk Grove. 
Now, all the pastors were to my right. I never forget. So I'm thinking, man, I'm in Bible school still. So I'm thinking, okay, well, those are the preachers. They'll pray for the people. But I said, if you want prayer for your marriage, there was a prophecy over my life to talk about healing in marriage. I said, if you want prayer for your marriage, come over here. A thousand men, one stood up. And he came to the front for prayer. And it was at that moment that the Lord showed me everything I had been through had nothing to do with me. It was to tell that young man I made it because of Jesus. And when I walked over to him, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. And I was able to whisper to him, I know what it's like to wonder where she's at in the middle of the night. That young man broke in my arms. He just, I remember he was tall. Like 5'8", five 5'9", five he was tall. <laughs> I'm five seven on a good hair day, you know. <laughs> but I was able to whisper to him, I know what it's like. What I had been through had nothing to do with me. But I had given it to the Lord and I did my best to stay faithful. So everything I gave to the Lord, he took my hurts and turned them into scars. And I was able to go to that young man and so say, I got the scars to prove it. But I've been healed. Everything you've been through. And it's not just for the recovery home. Everybody in here, everything you've been through serves the kingdom of God when you give it to him. Amen. Amen? Right. And you invite his presence to lead you every day. My morning prayer as I'm washing up, Lord, thank you for another day. Father, I thank you that I can come to your throne because of the blood of your son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for saving me, redeeming me. And I thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, guide my day. Be with me. Give me opportunities. And when I'm wrong, pop me upside the head. And I get popped every day. But you look at our Lord. Look what he did. He surrendered. Jesus could have called angels to save him from the cross. But he knew his destiny. No man, no governor, no... Uh, Pontius Pilate or Pharisee, nobody had control of Jesus' destiny. Before the foundations of time, the lamb was slain. And he was obedient to his destiny. He was obedient to his purpose. And in my imagination, I, 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 I have a crazy imagination. And reverently one morning, sitting in my recliner like an old man. We're young old people. <laughs> My wife's on permanent disability, and I go out on weekends. The rest of the time, we're, we, we have coffee in bed. <laughs> you, or I go to the living room to my recliner, and I have some worship time. And I'm looking out the windows of, uh, towards the East Bay Hills. And I'm like, man, you did a beautiful job, Lord. I'm just talking to God. And I have my Bible right with me, and I'm like, man, what a beautiful love story. When you understand the Bible, you understand it's the greatest love story ever written. Amen. And I'm like, man, Shakespeare could not have wrote this. And then I let my imagination go. What would I have done different? Respectfully, and I'm talking to God while I'm doing this. I would have had it where when they go to nail him to the cross, he jumps off and goes, can't touch this. <laughs> he wasn't a superhero and he wasn't MC Hammer. He was God incarnated in flesh. And he died. And I'm thinking, man, but when the, when the tombstone rolled away, I would have had it where he kicked the stone down. 
and came out and said, I beat death. But that's not what the Bible says. The first ones to see him, he said, don't touch me. I need to go see my father. Now he goes to his father. He takes not only the sins of the world, but he takes the hurts. Who's been hurt before? Who's made some bad decisions? Who's been disappointed, even disappointed in God? Everything that would separate us from our relationship with Abba Father, he goes, here you go, Dad. I bought the sins. I bought the disappointments. I bought the hurts. I bought anxiety. I bought depression. I bought the attacks of the enemy. He laid him at the foot of the Father. Now he reappears before the disciples. You think he went to the creator. He should be back perfect. He surrendered every hurt. And he traded it for scars. And he appears before the disciples. And he goes go ahead touch me. Right here that's where they stabbed me. He was obedient and he surrendered. And that's all he asks of us. If we're willing to surrender. And we surrender his presence fills us. But it takes willingness to surrender. Not a get out of jail. I always say that. Not a get out of jail free card. Because it's, it's one thing to believe in heaven and hell. And go, oh, I don't want to go to hell. So I'll accept Jesus. Yeah. But I'm going to hold on to my childhood issues. There are senior citizens with childhood issues. That's right. Let me tell you something, church. Whatever binds you, blinds you. If all you know is hurt, that's all you see is hurt. If all you know is disappointment, that's all you see is disappointment. And you will never experience the freedom that God has for you, Freedom Church, until you surrender everything that he has, that he's asking of you. I don't think I'm the only one that's been arrested before. Raise your No, don't raise your hands. <laughs> Ain't no shame. There is no shame. A couple of the guys raise their hands. There is no shame. Because that's who you were. That's not who you are. Amen. I, Pastor Lady, I've been, I've been tripping off of this. Don't get me wrong. Because Jesus surrendered to the cross. But the third, three days later, the cross surrendered to him. Okay. It was the symbol of death. Now it's the symbol of life. But you look at what was nailed to the cross. Versus what came out of the tomb. Because if Jesus did not come back from, you know, out of the tomb, if he stayed dead, he was just another martyr. But they nailed sin to the cross. They nailed death to the cross. They nailed sickness to the cross. They nailed accusation to the cross. They nailed your past to the cross. But three days later, what comes out of the tomb? Healing comes out of the tomb. Redemption comes out of the tomb. Sanctification comes out of the tomb. Amen. Life everlasting. His presence came out of the tomb. The word surrender, I like, I like definitions. I spent most of my time in Bible school making people laugh. <laughs> I remember I flunked my Greek final, or it was a midterm. And I was, I, I was in turmoil going through a divorce. And I bombed the test. And I told the professor, I said, that's ironic. Um, there's no F in the Greek alphabet. So I said, that's ironic. I got a grade that doesn't exist. <laughs> 
She laughed so hard, she changed that F to a P. She gave me a pass. Okay, son, you pass. <laughs> but I learned little words. My wife, she's a Scrabble champion. She got big words. I have little words. Scar. I think it's the best definition that applies to our lives. The fourth, fourth or fifth definition of the word scar is for botany, for plant life. And it says formally attached. When you apply that to your life, yes, I was an addict, not no more. I got the scar to prove it. I was broken, I don't healed. I got the scars to prove it. Amen. But the word surrender. The definition of surrender is to yield to the power, control, or possession of another upon compulsion or demand. To give up completely or agree to forego, especially in favor of another. If you've been broken since your childhood, I'm not diminishing what you experienced as a childhood. There's evilness that happens to our children. But if that's all you hold on to, that is who you are. But when you surrender your hurts, when you surrender your brokenness, he takes that hurt, he heals it, and then you have a scar. Then you're able to go to another young woman. I know, but I made it because of Jesus. You can go to a young man. I know I was addicted, but I gave it to Jesus, and he healed me. Your scars serve the kingdom of God. Amen? Japanese soldier named Shiochi Yoki. Anybody familiar with him? He fought in World War II on the island of Guam, and he stayed in the jungle of Guam until the 70s. 28 years, he hid in the jungle. He was fighting a war that had ended 28 years ago. It, they had to bring some of his commanders out of retirement to Guam to call him. Let him know, no, it's over, son. Come home. And they took him home, and his wife said, where have you been? He fought a war and he refused to surrender for 28 years. Some of you have been fighting wars since your childhood. Some of you have been fighting wars for a long time. And today is a day to surrender. You can stay on the path you are and that's where you are. You're bound. Or you can forego for another way. I would as much as possible, encourage you, compel you to surrender to Jesus. The Bible says it's the name above every name. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You have a choice to surrender to him or one day bow before him as he sentenced you to eternity in a lake of fire. I'm not a fear monger. I'm a comedian. I'm a 20-year veteran and never before have we been this close to World War III. And I truly believe World War III will lead to the return of Jesus Christ. Every prophecy, even 15 years ago, I remember questioning when I was in the studying revelations in, in Bible school. But this can't happen yet. That can't happen. How? 
The prophets that are killed and three days later rise on the streets. It's in Revelation. Read your Bible. And the Bible says the whole world watches. Ten years ago, how? And it says it in a tense where they were watching as it's live, not videos. Ten, fifteen years ago, that wasn't possible. The whole world will watch the return of Jesus. And it's on the cusp of happening, church. Muslims are dreaming of Jesus and waking up to surrender their life to Jesus. The devil is good at his job, but our God is better at his job. Our God is great at his job. No man knows the time or day, the Bible says, but signs. And all you have to do is look around. Earthquakes, tornadoes, famine, COVID, wars and rumors of wars. You know Pastor Coco Perez? Pastor Coco has 10,000, he's in Sacramento, he has 10,000 hours of study on end times. And I was talking to him a few months ago. He said, watch Damascus. Everybody skips this. He said, watch Damascus. When Damascus falls, that's one of the last signs before the return of Jesus. There have been four countries fighting in Syria. No media coverage. And one of the only cities left standing in, in its good state still is Damascus. Church, the, the Lord is coming soon. And it would be a sad existence if you stayed in a church your whole life and you never surrendered to him. He surrendered and all he asks is for us to surrender. He's not asking us to do anything that he's never done. He surrendered to his destiny. And he gives us a choice of what destiny we want. I choose Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. Holy Spirit, have your way. If you're here today and you said you came because you thought there was going to be a comedian, there'll be some comedy later on. Or you came because you're in a program and you had to. Or you came because this is what you do on Sunday mornings. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, today is the day to get right. If you need to surrender to Jesus, just raise your hand right where you are. I'd love to lead you into the kingdom of God. I see hands over here to, the, to my left, down the middle, to the right. See, it's that waving of a hand that says yes that causes the angels to party, the Bible says. Your yes to God causes a celebration in heaven. And if you're here today, said I, I, I gave my life to Jesus a long time, but I've been holding on to some stuff and I want to surrender it today. Today is the day. If you want to surrender what you've been holding on to, that it will no longer blind you, raise your hand right where you are. Hands all around the room. Can you put your hands down? Now this has been near and dear to my heart. The Lord placed it on me. 
If you're dealing with anxiety and depression, that does not come from the throne of God. I'm at a church, Pastor, and a, a woman is at the altar screaming hysterically. The Lord had prepared me for that. I knew what I was dealing with. And I walked up to her and I spoke to the demon on her. I said, in the name of Jesus, who are you? She immediately stopped screaming and her face distorted. She goes, fear. The spirit of fear spoke. Immediately I said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. In the name of Jesus, you will leave. And boom, she was set free right there. Anxiety and depression, raise your hand right where you are in the name of Jesus. There's no shame, church. There is no shame. You go, to, you go to McDonald's for a happy meal and you're not embarrassed, but you wouldn't be embarrassed to raise your hand and say, I want freedom. Because for those of us that have been handcuffed before, we understand when you surrender to the law, you raise your hands, they pat you down, then they cuff you, and when they let you go, you are free. It's only when you raise your hands to Jesus that you really experience freedom. You raise your hands to him and your past is, is no longer. You're set free. You have a clean slate. Now, last but not least, if you raise, if you raise your hand, come forward. Come forward in the name of Jesus. Come, there is no shame. I'm old school. I like praying with people and for people. Clap for them. Encourage them, church. Encourage them. Start worshiping right where you are. Stop worshiping. Start worshiping right where you are. Jesus wants to break the chains off some people today. Last but not least, and this is the one that's most important to me. Salvation is so important. But the Lord has placed it on my heart to call this out. If you're hearing voices that tell you end your life, nobody would care. The devil has used loneliness to have people take their lives. Nobody would care. This will show them that they hurt me. I'll end my life. That does not come from the throne of God. That comes from the pit of hell. Okay? Continue to pray, everybody. This is so intimate. If you have a desire or hearing voices telling you to kill your life in the name of Jesus raise a hand right where you are right where you are clap for them church clap for them encourage them all of you right here that raised your hands there is no shame all right you party at a time and you weren't ashamed to abuse your body there is no shame standing at the throne of God I'm not God I'm a clown if God can ride a donkey he could use a clown claim your identity in Christ and start thanking him I am what the Bible says I am not what the devil says so prayer team come forward do you have a prayer team Start worshiping. Point your hands towards everybody up here. This is some kingdom business right now.